0: Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins, and thank you very much for joining me. I'm absolutely exhausted. And let me be honest 2015 started off pretty terribly for me. Terrible, terrible things. It's stuff that, like, when I describe it, everyone's like, oh, yeah, that kind of sucks. But when you're in the middle of something, it feels like, dude, I'm never going to get out of this. So I'll, I'll break it down in a minute. Let's get to who's on the show, why you came here in the first place, not to hear me whine and complain about how my 2015 hasn't started off that good. No one cares. I hope some of you do, but I care. So so I guess that in, in by transitive property, some of you should. The reason you are here is to listen to a conversation that I had with one Mr. John Loudon from the band Restorations. Sneaky good. They're one of those bands who it's like every record just gets better and better. And I I honestly didn't check into them until 2011. I was aware of the band and I enjoyed their recorded output. But then watching them at the fest in Gainesville, Florida, play in front of, I don't know, 500 or so people, they just owned it. And it was so good. And ever since then, I've been like, dude, All In On Restorations, great band. And to be honest, I should have paid closer attention to their new full-length that came out, because it's, it's like I said, it's sneaky good. And it probably, if I spent more time with it, I'll bet you it would have crept into my year-end list. But yes, we are interviewing him. He is the lead vocalist, and guitarist for the band and uh, just has a rich history in Philly music. You'll hear us put together some of these commonalities that we've both have as far as friends and shows we play together. I love doing that, not only in the show but just in life. Anyways, it was a great conversation and I'd like to give a special shout out to Jamie Coletta at Side One Dummy for hooking this up in the first place. Some business pleasantries out of the way. I haven't mentioned this in a while. I send out an email blast once a week to you the listener. If you sign up, go to 100wordspodcast.com on the right side of the page, you'll be able to sign up for a uh, email list. It's free, obviously. You just type your email address in and uh, once a week, I'll hit you up and be like, hey, this is what uh, happened on last week's show. And usually what I do is I kind of provide a little color, a little col- color commentary on either how the interview got set up or how it went, where we did it. Just like I said, a little more context because a lot of people you know, like to know that. They're invested in these interviews. It's not just like, oh, cool, dude. Like, I'm glad you spoke over Skype. And sometimes that's how these conversations go. And that's how this one did with John. But there's a lot more intricacies in sometimes setting this thing up. So go sign up for the email blast. I enjoy corresponding with you that way because a lot of people like to read it, I guess. I mean, there's, there's a, close to a thousand people that uh, have signed up for that thing. So you just st- stop missing out. Sign up on it. I'm very excited to bring you some other stuff in the future. I can't can't hint at it yet. A week or so, you will you will find out more cool things that this show is uh, being a part of, and I'm I'm very excited to bring that to you. L- let me just let me just get this out of the way. Like I said, it's been a hellish 2015 for me so far, primarily due to home ownership. I had a leak for a long time, apparently, and I wasn't aware of it until I saw some water damage in my son's playroom, and then I was like, oh gosh, this sucks. And uh, yeah, it does suck because the people that I pay money to to uh, dispose of the drywall and then be like, oh, hey, there's mold. Let's go ahead and get that taken care of. And just it's it's logistics on logistics on just money after headaches after insurance. And it just sucks. It takes it out of you. This is the the beatdown that I see uh, people receive. And like people have been nice. People have helped me. But it still is a matter of like, dude, there's this room in my house that is just is just a plague right now. And I want to get it out of the way. So being able to talk to you and put this show out here is a beautiful, beautiful distraction. And uh, yeah, I, I thank you for that. And I thank you for the support of the show in general. It's uh, it's I don't, it's just awesome. Like we're approaching a three-year anniversary. I've been doing this for almost three years. I think the biggest compliment that I-, I get are after these interviews I do with people. And then when I post them, they were just like, dude, That was so good. Like, thank you very much for doing that. And I I could tell it's not just coming from like a, oh, I say this to everybody that interviews me, but it's just like, they're genuinely excited to share different stories about themselves. So podcasting is exploding. Everybody has a podcast now. Like that is not special. People sharing their opinions on microphones are not special. But to me, the special part of this show is the fact that I am giving a voice and a platform for people to be able to paint the picture of why it is they're doing what they're doing, and it, that to me that's the most valuable thing. That's anybody that I care about musically or artistically. That's all I care about. Like, why are they doing this in the first place? Is it in their bones? Is it because of money? Anyways, that's why I, I'm just trying to uh, thin the herd, so to speak. Where it's like, yeah, you can be spending time with so many different shows and i do i listen to a ton of podcasts but there's the ones that you know when they when they come delivered to my phone after i refresh i I listen to those first and i hope that this show in some capacity is the one you listen to first so thank you without further ado here's my conversation with john loudon and i'll talk to you afterwards I'm always hesitant to do these sort of interviews. You, obviously, you're you're in the press cycle. You're getting stuff daily, uh, if not weekly, that is demanding of your time. Uh, I'm always hesitant with that because it's like you, obviously being a person that does a lot of interviews, you get comfortable and you get in a pattern. And not saying that your answers would be inauthentic mm-hmm. because they're in a pattern, but you know it just becomes comfortable because you get the same forty-five questions over, <laughs> over and over. Yeah, and I, I, I was like. I was entertaining it, and I was like, I don't know if I want to hit him at this time, but then I was like, you know what? You're you're a dude that has a, a lot of experiences that people don't typically you know, bring up because they're just like, oh, dude, how sick is your new record?
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. What's it like touring with Madball? Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> Basically, what I was trying to do is give you a compliment because I knew you were intelligent enough to not just go into your press voice.
1: Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I try to try to keep it interesting. I, and then for the most, we tried to dial it back a little bit this time around, too, and like only really do stuff we wanted to do. <laughs> and, uh, that usually means like people that uh, programs or, you know, work at places that like will ask interesting questions or like decent people, you know, you know what I mean? Like you kind of weed out a lot of like, so tell me your sickest tour
0: story kind of interviews, you know, those are obviously a dime a dozen. Like. Oh, it's, God, yeah, it's so crazy because it's like that that question and those sort of like tropes have existed like you were obviously alluding to earlier since like the zine days where it's yeah. like, well, actually, you could probably even point it to like a 40 year old question. Like, can't, can't we turn over another rock
1: here? So weird. It's like we get interviews sometimes where it's like or interview requests anyway, and you like look at other interviews they've done, and you're like, why did you even do this? What is wrong with you? Like, why? Yeah. How? Who does
0: this benefit? Totally. Well, I definitely think that there's a component of of panic that is obviously set in in regards yeah. to to the uh, not so much from like a maybe a publicist standpoint, but they're just like no one has any idea what actually quote unquote works, so let's just do everything. Definitely. I mean, I, I like exactly your approach of what you're talking about where it's like, okay, let's kind of pick the most, you know, quote unquote important things or the stuff that will, um, you know, not be so mundane. That'll kind of just drive us crazy. I start these things off with just my own sort of like personal sort of entry point to kind of, you know, you, your music, that sort of stuff. I had a awakening in regards to restorations. I was aware of you guys because Tiny Engines released your first LP. Am I correct? Yeah. So I think it was Fest 2011 and you guys were playing totally blanking on the venue common grounds i think yeah i think it was yeah uh, i think so and you guys were you know you guys were playing a little bit later in the evening it was one of those things i i I wanted to see you and I was there I don't know, it just kind of shocked me because for one, I didn't expect anybody to give a shit about you but they did and, <laughs> and and two, I don't know, I guess for lack of a better term, just kind of like togetherness professionalism, like the show that you guys put on wasn't necessarily indicative of the venue that you were playing like you guys could have been playing, you know, whatever a, you know, union transfer or whatever like you could have, I felt like you guys were filling a larger stage than what you were playing and I know it's funny because I was just in preparing research for this, i noticed that you've pointed to that particular fest as being kind of like a turning point for you mentally as far as like you were saying like oh wow people like really care about us or was that the previous year that you kind of felt the like the previous year point?
1: was the first one and that was that was like our first tour i mean we we hadn't really done much at all i think we'd gone down like uh maybe as far as like north carolina because we ended up going down with uh look mexico in red and red we collar and we're okay. like oh this is cool like good bands want to tour with us this is awesome And so like uh you know playing those shows and like yeah, the shows were okay, and but we got down to Fest and it was like this massive, crazy thing. We played at Lucy's, which is like this the pretty small venue. It's like maybe like 100, 200 people tops. Mm-hmm. And uh, we really, you know, we were, we were playing it like, it was it was getting up there on like Sunday. <laughs> like, right. We right. Like, there's no way anybody's coming to the show and it just kind of happened. I don't know how else to explain it other than that, but a bunch of people that like ha- had known us or had never seen us showed up and a bunch of people that um had never heard of us before just took a gamble on the show and just ended up there and it just became this thing but yeah by the time we played that common ground show it was just like oh shit like this is you know that final year like we just kind of picked up with things with side one and got the new record together and you know it was just this whole like that by the time we got to that common ground show it was just like i felt like we'd finally figured out how to be a band
0: yeah yeah you felt like you were uh you were prepared for whatever was going to be put in front of you.
1: Yeah, it was very much like if we need a set list. We have to like, <laughs> you know, right, right. Do this. We can't just like show up and like play for our friends and get drunk.
0: This should be taken a little more seriously. Yeah, yeah. In kind of alluding to the press cycle as well, because I, I always try to identify sort of the the tropes that get placed on on bands and musicians of like the, you know, either the common questions or the common, um, you know, descriptors that people put on a band. And I obviously try to, you know, subvert that in some capacity. The Mm. thing that I've seen place on you guys nonstop for every single record is like, dude, you guys can't describe yourselves. Like you're not a punk band. You're not a rock band. Like you don't belong anywhere. How do you describe your sound? To me, I've always listened to it. It's like, I don't know. It just seems like a logical extension for what you've, you personally have kind of been doing musically where it's like all you're doing is adding nuance and like you said more professionalism ov- over time is that accurate uh reflection of kind of the way that you look at what you're doing with restorations
1: people the way people talk about it sometimes is like they've never heard guitar music before like right. they've never <laughs> heard like a rock band ever like you're like how have you never heard like i don't know like you too like what are you <laughs> like, right right how, like it's like pretty big obvious influences in, that are going on in our band and You know, we all like our own fair share of, like, obscure, like, really smart, uh, dense music or whatever. But, you know, for the most part, like, nothing that's happening in our band is, like, particularly, like crazy or, huge right. or like yeah, so you read some interviews or some reviews and stuff sometimes and you're like wow you guys just only listen to like Ladderman and that's it like that's right all you, like you just have never heard any other bands
0: it definitely is a lot of a, a lot that can be said about i guess the way that a person obviously describes because like i i listened to you like your earlier stuff and i'm like oh yeah they got a little bit like you know maybe like a heavier hold steady like that's, yeah, that's right. just, that, that's kind of like what I, what I would describe it as. And it's like, I, I just, I find that, that I, I don't, am not like taking shots at people, but just like laziness of like, man, you guys are undefinable. Yeah, like, right. are, are you really? <laughs> yeah, And I, I, I perceive that's obviously like what you're always saying where it's like, I don't know if we're really undefinable.
1: We just are cur- like, our structures are a little different, but it's not like anything that I don't know. It's it's just funny to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. You yourself were you you were uh, born and raised in Jersey, yeah? I
1: was born in Philadelphia and moved to Jersey for uh up until I was 18 and then I moved uh back to Philly. My parents split up so my dad was in Philly, my mom was in Jersey.
0: Ah, got it.
1: So yeah, um, and then I've been here ever since.
0: Okay, yeah, you c- you cannot be more Philadelphia at all.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was born Northeast. <laughs> Would you say your formative years, you were spending more, when I say formative, I mean like, you know, junior high and high school and stuff like that. Were you more in Jersey or Philly? Uh,
1: a little bit of both. I, I mean, okay. as far as shows go anyway, like I was, there was a lot of like driving, getting rides, taking trains to Philly to see shows and then to like Asbury to see shows and
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that was that was like a big thing growing up was just kind of like getting out of the crappy central Jersey town I was in.
0: What 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 crappy central Jersey town were you in?
1: Uh, I was a suburb of Trenton.
0: <laughs> well, the, the the typical question is what exit off the turnpike.
1: <laughs> uh, I actually don't even remember. I didn't start
0: driving till I left.
1: <laughs> that's that's
0: true. So you would be like I don't know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, middle of nowhere.
0: And so, what, what was your family structure like as you were growing up and kind of before your parents uh, split?
1: Oh, I was good, man. I, both my parents have been really supportive. And, you know, I kind of have like a boring childhood that way where it's just kind of like everything was just all right.
0: <laughs> um, yeah.
1: Both my parents are right. like super encouraging about playing music and being into music and mm-hmm. know, as abrasive as it was at the time or,
0: right. you know, whatever. You- it was
1: always like, you know, go go check it out, you know?
0: Yeah. Do you have brothers and sisters too?
1: I do have one little brother who's also a musician.
0: Okay. Oh, wow. Your parents must've been just like, Oh, why are you guys dedicating this life to music?
1: Yeah, it was, it was pretty great. Well, my mom was like a classical pianist. She, she did tons of schooling for that and taught for a number of years. And, um, she's like a choral music kind of person. Um, and then, uh, my dad played guitar and, you know, he was in loved, uh, you know, sixties and seventies rock and stuff. So that was like a big introduction for me growing up was like basically like classical music and sticks and Paul Simon.
0: Okay. St- sticks and Paul Simon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those are, I love those Uh, sort of like early inflection points in your own musical life That's where great. it's like. Yeah, because you like it, it obviously comes from such an innocent place. And it's usually, obviously, in part to your parents. And, you know, sometimes our parents aren't like steeped in any one specific culture. They're just listening to music because yeah. they tripped on it.
1: Yep. Totally. Yeah. They were just sort of like into whatever. And it was, it was kind of great that way because it was less. You know, it was just music, you know, not, there's nothing else to it. It's just like, oh, yeah, cool. There's this Billy Joel record. Like, that's what we're going to listen to now.
0: Yeah. It, <laughs> no, totally. I it's like I just have such a distinct memory in my own childhood of like the Phantom of the Opera soundtrack. And that is yeah, like right. I could listen to that today and still probably tear up Yeah. because. It, but yeah, because, again, it just comes from such like an innocent place. And my mom was playing it in the car and it was like, oh, yeah, of course. Dude, Andrew Lloyd Webber, he fucks some shit up. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> well it's funny too like I, I talk about this in interviews a fair amount but like you know the big record for me growing up was sticks paradise theater that was like the first rock and roll record i heard yeah and like in the, you know 1985 or whatever it was
0: right and right.
1: uh i remember my dad putting it on like the vinyl you know <laughs> so i just have yeah. this like thing ingrained in me like oh man like huge guitar rock with you know solos and organ and, <laughs> and totally. like it immediately it was like this is what i've been looking for forever My you know, my whole three years being alive.
0: Right. Right. You're like, Oh, this, this obviously defines me.
1: Yeah. Right. And it's kind of in a, a comedic sense, I guess sort of followed me around ever since.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, you could you could look at that record being really important to to you and then being like, I, I, I mean, I see why it is, but like that, obviously that doesn't score me any credibility points. Yeah, no way. It was is, it is <laughs> one
1: of the funniest records I've ever heard, like coming back to it, but
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, And so then, uh, so you you said your mom was teaching piano. What does your dad do for work?
1: Uh, My dad's an IT guy now, um, but, you know, he's just always like music on in the car, music on at home, uh, you know, always played guitar growing up, you know, got me my first guitar, um, that sort of thing. You know, he would come see my shitty punk band play shows, you know, (laughs) he was always just sort of like. Uh, super encouraging and um, making as much music available as you know he could figure out.
0: Because I presume you obviously invited him out to your show. Like, hey, Dad! Oh, come totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what was his impression? Like, did he did he walk away being like, wow, like that was cool, or I didn't know you had that in you, or how, how yeah, I think that's
1: kind of how it went. Uh, you know, he's just you know stoked. I think music is music, and um, you know, not that he's like a big like hardcore guy or anything, but he gets yeah. it. You know, and he, he's totally and like not uh, he's not very deadly about it, it's just sort of like, you know, totally seems to understand the whole thing. And, uh, you know, we started touring and stuff and, you know, both my parents were just kind of like, you know, go, go get them. Like,
0: wow. Fuck shit up. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, it, it, it sounds like the, uh, the environment was, was ripe for you being able to completely dive obviously into independent music and just kind of like, you know, have that Openness where your parents weren't like obviously, you know, throwing away your records or trying to tell you, you can't go to a show or anything like that. Yeah, I lucked out. I, you
1: know, I didn't get too many of those, like, so when are you going to get a job kind of talks? You know, well, that's good. <laughs> I,
0: that's that's very good. I
1: managed to escape, which is cool.
0: Yeah, I um, know. That's, that's really cool.
1: And then, yeah, it's, you know, especially now that we're at a different level than we were before, it's like you get a little bit more of a sense of, like, oh, cool. Well, this is worth it. Like, congrats. Like, there's there's not so much um i don't know you talk to a lot of other musicians and it seems like it's a little more contentious
0: oh sure yeah there's there's that level of uh of uh, i mean i don't want to say judgment because it's like anybody yeah. that it's like i mean as you being a grown ass man and me being a grown ass man we can look at the decisions that we made to play in bands and do stupid stuff as being like, yeah. well, yeah, any parent would be like, dude, I don't like, I don't know about that.
1: And I, I was always into like art and music and I, I don't think there was a like, really ever any expectation I was going to like go to business school or anything. So
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs> they they just stoked them happy and that's, that's kind of where it is.
0: Yeah. You're like, I've, I've paved this road for a long time. You, you, you I'm not diverting expectations.
1: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so what kind of kid did you find yourself being like as you started, I guess, maybe prior to the, uh, sort of, you know, inception of kind of independent music in your life what did you uh you know find yourself being like you said you're always into art were you kind of the uh you know the proverbial indoor kid or were you into, oh yeah totally uh, dis- man okay okay
1: totally yeah i was i was like typical awful suburban kid you know like i spent a lot of time in the mall like listening to ska like <laughs> nice <laughs> like, like absolutely like, down to a t like absolutely the worst um,
0: <laughs> just a, a total total mall rat hanging out the local arcade <laughs>
1: totally and like i got some good stuff like you know and i got into some really awful stuff and it wasn't until i got into college really that everything totally clicked like uh jeff from Jennifer berlin and some some of those earlier restorations records um i met uh, the first year or two of college i guess uh, first year of college actually um and that's how i met dave and a bunch of other people that we've played in bands with forever mm-hmm. um and all those guys were a little bit more ingrained and in the Philly scene, like Jeff used to book at like the kill time and stuff like that. And, um,
0: didn't, didn't Jeff also book at, uh, cause I remember, I, I mean, I, I knew you played in Jennifer Lynn, but I remember meeting Jeff cause didn't he book shows at like temple for a little bit? Like, yeah, yeah. And
1: that was, dude, that was our, that was it for us, man. That temple was like the biggest thing in the world. Cause we had like a ton of money to like pay out of town bands and then we could like play shows and put our friends bands on these, like really all these shows that like nobody belonged to be on.
0: <laughs> and, right. Right. You know, we were no, like,
1: that college crew.
0: Yeah, no, I remember then. I then we obviously we played together because I my old band taken played with Seos in oh, there.
1: Son of a bitch. Yeah, Jeff definitely did that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I didn't no. know you're in taken. That's really funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I say I I sang for the band. I remember that show being so it was so incredible because it was just like I mean, there's already a lot of people there obviously checking yeah. out Seosin say- but it was like you know, I, I usually college shows are obviously not uh entirely professional, but when you meet no, a when you meet, yeah, when you meet a person that knows what they're doing, and you're just like, oh, this is how a college show's supposed to be run.
1: Yeah, that was awesome, And Jeff really like, I mean, because you know, Jeff Jeff played in band. Jeff and Dave uh, grew up together, and um, okay. Dave our guitar player, and those dudes that played in bands forever, and you know, basement shows, whatever. Like they'd done it. Um, sort of the same thing. Like grew up in the suburbs and just escaped, and like started doing shows and yeah playing in bands so uh like by the time the college came around jeff figured it out somehow that there was like a college like fund for like uh yep. the school group you know and he was just like oh shit i could pay like thrice like five hundred dollars to come play here like great let's do it like yeah. just, like you know everybody on it and Right. Um, but people came out like, this is like the thing that was crazy about it was like, you would have like 300 people come see like bear versus shark at the, tr- at, uh,
0: the alcove
1: alcove. That's Dude. the one
0: <laughs> that, yeah. that I literally hadn't thought about that until it was just like, wait, temple owl alcove. Owl yeah,
1: <laughs> totally, man. But I mean, we played with so many bad hardcore shows and like just had so many bands come through and that was like the central hub. And that was everybody we met through that basically like helped us out on tour once we got out of college <laughs> like when we were yeah. done at temple like we were you know we'd be like oh this is people we met in new york like what's up and they would bring us up there and we'd go out and around and that was really the only way that we got out yeah um, was because of that whole thing it was a really fortunate again so it's, it's sort of like a luck thing to sort of meet these dudes and get involved right. in that but it was just like lights going on it was just like oh my god i understand it now like Cause before right. everything was like, so, you know, mystical and like <laughs> secret yeah. and crazy. Now it's like, Oh, I get it. This is really easy. You can, anybody can do this. This is awesome. Like,
0: right. Cool. right. Right. <laughs> so was, was, uh, was Jenna Berlin your first band?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd never been in a band before. It's like I said, I'd always been interested in music and, you know, played and whatever, but I, I was never in like a, an actual band that like did shit, um, so that was, that was a huge thing for me. Cause those guys had already been in bands for forever. Right. So like, you know, I'm like this awful kid out of the, out of the suburbs, like freshly in the college with this like really great opportunity. And I'm just, yeah, I really spent a long time like doing the wrong thing and uh, right. learning in that band. It was really cool.
0: Yeah. You were able, you were able to uh, hit your wagon to someone with some experience in order to kind of, you know, maybe push you past the first, you know, whatever, first 10 awful mistakes you make when you start a 16 year old band or whatever.
1: Totally. Yeah. I mean, we started that band in like, Oh, two or Oh three, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we really spent a while being really awful. Like, <laughs> yeah. But Towards the end, we, we had it together and kind of had some steam, but by then it was just like, it was too late for that band.
0: Yeah. Well, it's so, it's so hard too, because it's like, especially when you've been, you know, kind of like you said, you've been kind of at it for you know five to six years then it, it starts to you know the crushing realities of of life and making money and all these other things come into play and it's like oh man like can we gear up to like do you know this small thing again i don't know mm-hmm. if we can do this
1: it worked out kind of nicely though because it's like if jb was a like grad school in a way that you know we took everything we learned from that and i feel like restoration is like my first like, good job
0: right right <laughs> like
1: really focused I, on like not blowing it at this point
0: right right no i like that i, I, like I got a good I, boss you know Right, I've never I I've never viewed bands from the uh, the lens of obviously like a schooling perspective, but yeah, it totally makes sense what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, spend a lot of time making really awful work, and then you know have no idea what you're doing right after.
0: So right, right, beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so, like you said, independent music kind of didn't start popping up until you were in college. So obviously, you had some sort of, well, for lack of a better term, like path so to speak like what were you uh what were you trying to set yourself up to be as a uh, as a working professional or was it always just like well whatever i do i'm just gonna try to still do music always
1: yeah i mean i guess i kind of got i got lucky there too and i that's probably why I up the zine thing too is i was working for wonka vision if you remember that from back in the day oh dude justin um, of course <laughs> yeah so i was the art director there for a long time
0: oh okay um, along that's with rad. bruno
1: guerrero who's the guy that does all of our artwork um, yeah that's so awesome two of us kind of did the art angle of that for a number of years coming out of or like b- halfway through college or very temple centric obviously because it was those Alice cove shows and like it was like jeff was one of the editors and dave was writing for them and uh you know we were kind of like making that thing uh haul along for a little while till that went to shit mm-hmm. um but uh, at the same time me and bruno got a gig working for decibel magazine here in philly too um and they were everything was kind of all tied in together through that so i was sort of just touring and playing shows and, you know, working on this magazine. And, um, I don't know, it just became this thing where like everything sort of started to work together Uh a little. Yeah. Um, but then like JB kind of went into outer space and that last, two years we were doing like way way too much touring to keep like a normal job so i got fired from decibel and uh wonka vision kind of collapsed there towards the end yeah Uh,
0: well that 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 was yeah (laughs) that was that was when justin had by that time moved to denver i remember that yeah fuck man i know (laughs) some
1: some real shit in there
0: Dude, for sure. I remember because uh, Taken stayed with him in Denver. And I just remember because I, I contributed occasionally to WonkaVision, just like reviews or whatever. Justin That's probably
1: why I remember your name. Right, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Starting <laughs> there.
0: <laughs> I just remember being like, hey, Justin, what's uh, what's happening with uh, WonkaVision? And it was kind of like he basically just ignored my question. I was yeah. like, oh, and I can't remember what year that was, but it was probably around the you like know 2007. Uh, yeah, maybe actually maybe it was even a little bit earlier. Well, I don't know, whatever. It's, yeah. irrelevant. it's, it's irrelevant to people that uh, don't remember uh, early, early 2000 zines. Yeah.
1: So it was an early 2000 zine that for people that don't know who it is, it's, it's an early 2000 zine that like turned into like a national publication and then immediately went under. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's sort of the same thing where like we really like did a bad job for a while, uh. <laughs> like met a lot of really interesting people and like eventually learned how to do it the right way. Right, um, right. And now I have this like really good job in publishing. I I come and go and do interesting stuff, and, I, and I'm really lucky to have that now. It's been a pretty pretty cool transition.
0: So, I mean, I'll be backing up, but like, so what? What is your current position within the the publishing industry, as it were?
1: Uh, so currently, I work for uh, Random Embassy in Philly. It's uh, actually this dude Tony used to go to Temple Hardcore shows. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> isn't but, isn't that always the case where you're yeah. just like? I, and especially too, from like a professional standpoint, when you meet a person that has that kind of like undercurrent of experience that you've come from, like there's such a shorthand where you're just like, Oh yeah, dude, of course you could work for me. Of course. Like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's sign you up.
1: That's my, my boss is really hardcore. Yeah. It's it's just funny. It goes kind of deep now, I guess. But, um, yeah, so it's me and me and Tony, we make books for, um, books and small magazines, uh, brochures, annual reports, that kind of stuff for a lot of like non- nonprofits and art galleries. And, the, the, we work for the city. Um, but it's a really cool gig. We just get to kind of, you know, we, we like have our space that we work out of, and, um, Yeah, make cool stuff. Yeah. But you know, you, I've realized that like, I, can sometimes be just as effective on a laptop in Australia as I am here, and uh, you can plan accordingly so that it's you know everybody kind of knows what's up. But it's, you, if you balance it out, you know, do everything on your own terms and make sure that everybody gets taken care of, like there's no problem. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, at, at this point, I finally figured out how to make everything balance out, and um, yeah, it's crazy that it all works. But uh, that's my job right now. It's kind of cool. Yeah,
0: no, that's that's really rad. I mean, that, that's that's the ideal scenario that most people want to. Uh, to be in where it's like, especially if you're in a touring band to be able to be like, Oh yeah, I have a job that obviously supports my, my life. But then at the same time, I'm not, it's not impeding my creative process as well.
1: Yeah. And it's cool. Cause it's like, it's good work and it's, um, for good places. And it's, it like has like a purpose, like <laughs> the things we put out are a function. It's not just like stuff that gets tossed immediately.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it, it's altruistic in nature as well in some capacities, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. So I don't really feel like I'm like burning myself out too much between tours or, you know, when we have downtime, it's just like, I'm just working on something else. Like some days I'm playing shows, some days I'm, you know, working on a book. It it just sort of shifts and that yeah. it keeps everything really fresh and interesting and even the band stuff too it's like oh we're going on tour it's like no longer annoying for me it's just a nice change of pace it's, a, it's just a different job for the week so i
0: will congratulations i'm glad
1: <laughs> thanks that <laughs> took a long time <laughs> still got Dude, a lot to do but you know
0: you know a question that you know I, I i myself always get where it's just like you know from people either knowing my past experience of like you know whatever working at record labels and still being able to tour and just kind of like yeah. how do you do that it's like well You, I mean, for one, you just kind of like work hard with the idea of like, okay, I need to find some job in some field that is hopefully tangentially related to the sort of music that I'm trying to create that will hopefully be able to afford the lifestyle that I want to live, like, you know, in touring and stuff like that. And it's like, sometimes you just have to like, you know, I know this sounds very uh, sort of pie in the sky, but just kind of like, you know, make your own destiny in a way where it's like, you know, you... Doing everything within, you know, Wonka Vision and Decibel and stuff like that. You know, all, all those I'm sure in some respects were like happenstance, but then that was able to lead you to where you are at now.
1: Yeah, and it's just because I, I just sort of kept pursuing stuff that was interesting to me. You know, at the time, like, um, you know, I met a bunch of guys that worked at a screen shop, and uh, this was sort of like the next step after all that stuff happened. Where I was working in a screen shop for a really long time, printing shirts and making posters and, and doing all that, and that was just sort of like. I knew people that did it and I thought it was really interesting. So I got involved and I ended up working there for a little while. Met some other people and, you know, it's everything sort of leads to another. And it, that sort of like keeping your eyes open, like punk rock hustle is pretty much how it works. You know, it's like if, you know, you like a band or some scene or a place you want to go, you, you know, find people that live there. and go, go talk to them. Go find that, you know, pick up. Yeah. uh Things from around there and just you know get an idea of the landscape and yeah you know you got to get lucky with that too it's not also direct o- over over time it worked out
0: yeah for sure and as long as you're making yourself I think the biggest thing is obviously making yourself in some sense of the term like obviously professional professional and competent because like I mean as you well know those qualities don't exactly embody themselves in a lot of people on the on a regular basis and when, <laughs> sure. if you could if you could present yourself with those two qualities it's like Oh yeah, like you, you know what you're doing.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Um, and so then, so then, as you started to, uh, you know, whatever, graduate high school, did you go to Temple then? Obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah, I went to Tyler, the art school at Temple.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I went full on. When you say art, when you were, uh, were you studying just different mediums, or was it all obviously like dedicated towards the digital and print medium that you were obviously you know working in?
1: Yeah, I went in. I went in blind, just you know being like, ah, oh, I could paint or whatever. I don't care. Just art stuff is fine. And uh, went to Italy on that study abroad thing. Came back my freshman year. Was like really big into posters and um, printed medium, like little books and zines and that sort of thing. And that was like super appealing to me and then that was like right when i met jeff right when i found out about wonka vision right when all that stuff clicked in
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and uh yeah so i went right into graphic design right after that just being like oh i could work for a music magazine and just retire this will be great <laughs>
0: and yeah, like, yeah worked yeah. for
1: music magazines forever and realized it was awful but uh that was that was like the initial path for me was just being like oh man if i could, if I could just make like a poster that hangs in the electric factory that'd be awesome
0: you're like i'm done at that point. yeah right so, so here i am in retirement yeah here you are well it's I, i'm really glad i can talk to you rich uh, and fulfilled yeah right I'm glad i can talk to millionaire john loud and thank you yeah. for your time
1: it's been great it's been
0: great so uh we you said your your parents split up and obviously you you went to philly so when did your when did your parents divorce like well, how old were you
1: i was in the first grade so it was, it was pretty like not weird to have my parents split up because it was just most of my life that's the way it was right um, right so yeah 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 it was a long long time ago now
0: I I presume did it have, you know, any sort of resonance or long lasting effect on you in regards to, you know, how the way you viewed your, I guess, relationships at large or either the relationship with your mother or father?
1: Uh, the only thing that I really got good at through that was just traveling. And I think that was the big thing was like bouncing back and forth all the time and going to see new places and, you know, meeting new family over the years. And, uh, right. you know, that, but that was kind of a big thing. There's a lot of road trips, a lot of listening to records over long, long periods of time with nothing and moving around that sort of stuff. And that sort of like set the rhythm, I think, for what I'm doing now. Right. Um, I don't know. It wasn't too strange. As like I said, I was so young. It kind of didn't even matter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It didn't, uh, you weren't able to probably process it. You were just like, Oh, this is, this is the way that things are now.
1: Yeah. Right. Like obviously a bummer, but it wasn't like crippling or whatever.
0: I mean, you, you yourself strike me as like, you could probably live on the West coast and kind of blend in. Like you seemed like a very laid back dude. Like, uh, but I know that in previous interviews that you've kind of mentioned that, you, you know, you're an anxious person. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, obviously, the copious amounts of coffee that you consume obviously doesn't help that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, where, uh, so do you, do you define yourself, obviously, as an anxious person? And where does that kind of, you know, sort of d- derive from if you've been able to uh, <laughs> identify it in some capacity?
1: Uh, it's more so that I just feel like I always have to be busy and involved in things and Um, I'm always planning and like working on something. I've always got some kind of you know bad idea or something I'm working on that I'm trying to pursue. Okay. And and like um, I don't know. Yeah, I I very much could like just move to the coast and be fine with it. (laughs) Right. Um, I I I do enjoy a little bit of downtime. Yeah, I kind of go back and forth. I guess a little bit a little bit of both.
0: So is it maybe maybe a better way of defining it? At least in the way that you're describing it, would be like is it a kind of like restlessness where you just always feel like you got to have like seven irons in the fire in order to feel like you're productive?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it, and it, you know, after so many years of freelancing and just sort of scraping by, I mean, it was real touch and go for a number of years. Um, with everything kind of settling in a little bit in the past couple of years. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so, like just having to like hustle all the time, <laughs> like right. I'll always be working on something that it's like, you know, now, now that things are just like pretty okay the whole year around. I'm still like, Oh God, I got to work on this thing. I get this shit together. Like uh-huh. I get real, I get real scrambly
0: right (laughs) scrambling so uh so when was when it was its uh quote-unquote darkest where you were obviously like barely scraping by um you know was there ever was there ever that moment where you were just like yo dude i gotta fucking realign like i gotta I got to get out of this, all this stuff. Like, you know, that, that sort of like scorched earth mentality of like everything that I've known, I need to do the opposite of that. Or did you just kind of like, well, uh, hopefully it eventually it'll get better.
1: I almost moved, I guess kind of the end of that. Like we generally was sort of at full tilt. I was living on the floor of a warehouse, <laughs> which is really cool. Right. Um, like not in a room, like just on the floor. Um, I was like, um, a two level, like practice space kind of thing in a giant warehouse. I was like sleeping on top of one of the practice spaces. Um, you know, no heat or air conditioning or anything. And then working in the screen shop in the front of it, just touring like all the fucking time, just like, you know, 200 days a year or whatever. It got to a certain point where it was like, we were playing like the same basement show over and over and over and over and over again. And like, not that we really had expectations of anything getting like big or anything, but you know, at a certain point, you've played in in hardcore bands. Like, um, you know, at a certain point, you're just sort of like, "Ah, fuck, what the fuck am I doing? Like, (laughs) there's no, like, this doesn't go anywhere. Nothing happens. You don't like affect any real change nobody really gives a shit there's no like broader conversation that happens after a certain point it was after a certain point where like e- when everyone you know that plays in a band gets to like go do something bigger and you're just like sh- like fish out of water mm-hmm. um you're just like oh we I, we don't really have to do this anymore do we <laughs> Like there's right. nothing more to do and luckily at this point we this is really stupid I, you know looking back on it, it was totally idiotic to do it this way but we had a number of like bass players and second guitar players who were at out of state, that we'd either have to like fly in or whatever, um, and we'd flown it, our new bass player with us to Europe for our first tour over there, right? Um, and came back. And I was just I had just moved into a new place with some friends had a little bit of work for the first time ever. And we were kind of just like, yo, I'm done with this. I'm done. Like we had nowhere to practice. We had, you know, barely had any gear, like didn't have a full band. We like, you know, weren't right. writing a record we were happy with. And it, this little like couple month window, I guess, me and Jeff and Dave started jamming on some other material that just wasn't for that band. And that's kind of what became of that first restoration sort of us chilling out a little bit and being like, yeah, maybe we'll just play locally, you know, until the next big General Berlin tour comes along. We'll just play these songs Like at the Kyber, like, it'll be fun. We can hang out and was super into like Constantine's and, um, hold city and stuff like that, like G chord punk, Mm -hmm. um, at the time. And, uh, kind of just wound down and fell into this like really good groove of like, Oh, I like working. I like living in a place that has like walls, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I like seeing my friends all the time. Right. You know, I kind of got over this thing where I was just like about to like leave town because everything was awful and just sort of like started settling in a little bit and like getting Mm -hmm. more involved. And, uh, that just changed everything over. And that kind of, I think if it sounds like there was like a really serious change in tone between that last JB EP and then like the first restorations <laughs> recordings, is because it was just like, this like switch, you know, Every, everything just kind of like lined up.
0: Well, it's it's funny because that th- this was this was something I was going to ask you or talk bring up a little bit later. It, it's something that you only experience, obviously, when a person like you know, with your experiences in regards to you know doing bands, like in multiple bands, and like obviously with the you know the proverbial eye on the prize, and not like you were talking about in some sort of like oh dude, I can't wait to you know be as big as whatever a day to remember what you know yeah right right or rise against. You find that when you like here, I'll use an example in in my own life that I know it will probably ring true for you. Where it was like, okay, Taken it broke up in about two thousand four, and mm-hmm. then I immediately picked up and started playing in a new band called Makoto, and we were around. Oh for maybe, wow! Yeah, yeah. So I I sang for that, but it was it was such a weird thing because I, I can only retrospectively look at that band, and it, there are elements of it that I, I am proud of, but basically, uh, for lack of a better term, we were trying too hard. We were basically. Yeah. Playing to you know, kind of appease whatever was happening in music at that time. Like, yes, mm-hmm. of course, we were being authentic with our art in the songs that we were creating, but we definitely had a mindset of being like, "All right, we're going to use our experiences, you know, be able to just absolutely kill it." Yeah. And so, but then ultimately, it's like no one cared. Yeah. And it was, and so you do run into that experience of exactly what you're talking about in the shift between Jenner Berlin and Restorations, where you had that point had stopped trying all of a sudden this really unique and authentic thing started to come from you. And then obviously look where you're at with restorations now. And it's like, that's such a hard point to like, uh, I guess like arrive to, you know, totally
1: (laughs) it's it. Yeah. Like it was pretty much as like giving up entirely on it just being like, we're good. I've seen all the things I'm going to see. Like, you know, we can, we can bar band it now. It's time. Like we can do this, (laughs) uh, (laughs) you know? And like it, that went from like my main priority to just like something I did every once in a while. And in doing that, like, I just really enjoyed it for a while. Just, there's something really nice about just going in every week or two and hanging out with your friends and you know, making stuff that you actually like with the intent of just putting out records or just, you know, one day putting out a seven inch or something like having like a, the craft angle on it rather than like the, all right, we're going to get on this tour and we're going to go talk to these booking agents and we're going to, you know, like getting all of that stuff together. It was like, you know, the, the big thing that we were all trying to get next rather than like just making stuff that we liked. Not that we don't like the stuff that we put out, but you know, it's, you, it really affects like where your brain is at the time. Um, And especially then, you know, we had like, like literally no money. I'm not, I'm not well off now, but you know, when, when we actually had no money, like some of us didn't have anywhere to live and that sort of thing was, you know, it really clouds what you, uh, what your intentions are. And like, where you're, where you're going is always a little skewed that way.
0: Yeah, no, I think there's in, in something that you're talking about right there, I think there's, there's clearly an element of desperation and obviously using that desperation as kind of a leaping off point for, uh, you know, art or music in general, it can go one of two ways. Desperation from the sense of where it goes one way of like, all right, here's this really sort of pseudo contrived music that. We are trying to do because we are trying to, whatever, like you said, put yourself in a more stable position. Or yeah. there's that, obviously, there's the flip side where it's like, yeah, you're, you know, you create some, you know, whatever, the first bony ver record where it's like, yeah, right. this, this tortured piece of art that everyone is like, oh my God, it's, you know, it's the, mo- the best thing ever. I could see what you're talking about. I never, I never really thought about it in this sense of, uh, of being desperate. You know, and, and not in like a, yeah, not in a pejorative sense, but just a desperate like, fuck, I, I don't have anywhere to live, like you said.
1: Yeah, you just start getting really good at all this awful stuff. Like, you're eating terribly, you're not living in a safe place, you're not like, you don't have time to like, have good friends, you know. Yeah. You know, it, it's all this stuff starts to coalesce, you know, and you, you pick up a job you hate, um, you know, those sorts of things. It just becomes like this really unhealthy environment. So people get stuck in that too. It's really... Fucked. Like some, you know, some band people, like if, you know, stuff doesn't work out or whatever, it's like they just keep this shitty lifestyle they were living while they were touring. And you're like, oh, this is awful. This is a terrible way to live.
0: And so then, so then, obviously, as restoration started to, you know, go out there, and it's like I I think the first time that I listened to you prior to the, did the split that you guys did with Rosetta that came out before the first LP or was that after? I can't recall. Uh,
1: I think that was before the first LP came out because we'd switched members. Jeff had gone on to do some like more booking stuff, and that was sort of the thing. Was like you know we'd all when I when that was done, we kind of all pursued like other stuff for a little while, and Jeff got really heavy into booking and looking and starting a venue and that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, we, we were talking about doing like, I don't know, like a week, this like week tour or something. And he's like, I, I can't fucking do this anymore. I'm out. <laughs> right. uh, you know, like the, me and me and Jeff share the same fear of touring of like, Oh God, we're going to be doing this thing where we just play to nobody forever and it's going to be awful. And um, yeah. I, I guess that's maybe even Dave's default setting still. Um, <laughs> but I remember we were talking about like, Oh, we're going to do some shows. And Jeff was just like, I, I can't fucking do it. I'm out. <laughs> and, right. and uh, like, uh, he was just busy at the time, I guess. I don't know. Um, right.
0: Well, it, there, there is something to be said when you obviously experience tour after tour of playing, you know, in front of whatever 15 to 20 people yeah. a night of like, of getting yourself in that headspace of like, okay, this is what I could expect. And then, like, even if it's, you know, if it's 10 people, that it feels crushing where you're just like, I wanted at least 20. Like, you
1: yeah, know? yeah, right. Where right. you start, you like making these arbitrary goals. Uh, I think the biggest thing, and we've talked about this within the band a bunch, like, the biggest bummer about touring that way wasn't that you're playing like 20 people a night it's that when you come back those 20 people aren't there and so it's like you can play a show and you feel like you've just collapsed this house or you're like oh man we crushed this was great we had such a good time we sold like five records this is fantastic like oh god i can't wait to come back to missoula and you go back there and it's no one that you met first time is there the house is gone you know or the bar you played is closed it like people have moved you know
0: Right, (laughs) right and you're
1: just like oh shit this sucks and then like you do that for like six years in a row and you're just like, ah, I'm good. I've, I, I get it. Like, I'm right. Like, <laughs> that's the part that really becomes kind of dark after a while. It's like, you know, like if punk's like about building community and whatever, like then when you, to watch that start to go away within the punk scene that you've tried so hard to, you know, contribute to. Yeah. It's, uh, it gets real intense after a while.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know that there is a blueprint for this this thing, but I, like we can't even get that blueprint to work. Of right. like getting right. those those, like you said, those twenty people to show up next time because they've obviously moved on. Yeah. Um, and so then, uh, like you said, I, or like we were talking about earlier in regards to you know the the first fest tour as being kind of a, a a realignment in your perspective, and then now obviously sitting sitting where you're at currently, is it one of those things that you you find yourself uh kind of constantly trying to ch- either check your aspirations or check your expectations of like what what the band can kind of achieve or do you have that sort of like that drive of of pushing more that can sometimes be you know uh, can lead you astray
1: I think at this point you know I don't think anybody expects to be like selling out Wembley or anything anytime soon, but, uh, like we're just enjoying the ride. I think we have so many resources now that were totally unavailable to us the entire time last time around,
0: um,
1: you know, just to have the help and like the reassurance and just, you know, the, the safety net, I guess, of having like, you know, we have 10 people at the record label that help us out all the time. You know, our our manager does quite a bit of work for us. Also a Philly hardcore dude. (laughs) Um, and, uh, you know, we have a really good booking agent, you know, it's all this stuff that I, I would have, shunned years ago i've like learned how to work with um it's just been awesome we've gotten to do all this really cool shit and like every time we go out is a little bit better than the last and uh you know it's it's like i said i'm not rich on this but we're you know not uh things, things are stealing building. vans either you know like we, we can like pay our van rental
0: right um, right and so, t- so tell me uh, you mentioned like the you know resistant to ideas and i definitely think um i like to paint that the the picture of context appropriately for those feelings of like Yo, dude, managers are evil, and like, yeah, oh right. man, I don't know, like, because that that all is, I mean, that that sentiment is lost now, um, just because it's such a common practice, and for, mm-hmm. for and obviously since our music scene has become, for lack of a better term, like more credible, um, so it's yeah, not yeah. just like, you know, hey, jo- you know, Johnny Two Bags down the street wants to quote unquote manage your band, you're like, what the fuck, are yeah. you talking right, but, totally. So, so, when, when did you, you know, when did it become comfortable for you, or what sort of wrestling process did you go on with your own? Um- in your own head in regards to like, oh, is this, I don't know, is this the right move or whatever?
1: I mean, I think that was sort of the thing. Like if, if a lot of the idea with this is like, that it causes us less stress day to day, (laughs) you know, like we can sign with a bigger label and it's, you know, it works out well. We're not like, it, it takes care of stuff that we either weren't good at or don't want to do. And like, that's just made everything so much simpler. And, you know, you, you start looking at things like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't want to sit in front of my computer all day for a month writing people that aren't going to write me back. Like I'm right. going to get a booking agent that like knows how to do this and will be there every day in front of his computer writing people that maybe won't write him back either, but you know, like, right, right. I, it's just like, there's like all, all the really monotonous intense stuff, um, that I just hate and I don't want to deal with at all that, that other people are much better at. Um, and it, if you find people that know what you want to do and aren't going to push you to do stuff you don't want to do, that you can sort of like make that stuff work. It's like a small business at this point with us, where it's just like, oh yeah, cool. Like, oh, we could use an accountant. Like, we should get an accountant. <laughs> like, right. um, it's that kind of thing where you're just like, I don't, I don't want to do my taxes. Like, you do, my, you do my taxes. I don't, I can give you, you know, fifty bucks for good.
0: Right. It's like um, yeah. It's like it, it's it becomes uh, practical as opposed to like oh, here's the, here's this ecosystem of the man that we don't want to be a part of, you know? Yeah,
1: and the discussion becomes kind of ridiculous. It's like, you know, I don't want to print my own T-shirts. I know how to do it. I, you know, <laughs> like, I, yeah. I just, I'd send it to the print shop. It's the same thing, you know? Like, uh, a lot of that is kind of a, it's a goofy discussion to have. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but for us, it's cool because, you know, we're, we've gotten to the point now where it's like, you know i have lots of stuff that i do in my life that i really enjoy and you know uh, if i can just if me being in a band is like getting to travel and make music and you know talk to people like that's what i want out of the experience i don't really want to deal with the rest of it and uh, i you know i'm fortunate enough at this point that we you know, have people that like worry about like, uh, you know, when our record's late, they can like talk to the plant a couple of times a week and work it out. You know, right. that's like off my desk. And it's it's more time I'm spending like writing songs or working or hanging out with my family and friends. <laughs> like, right, right. Uh, we're super, super lucky that way. But I mean, it's 31. I have a full time job. <laughs> like If, yeah. if you're going to do it here, like you have to be really, really smart about it. And you have to delegate. You have to have like an army of people behind you. Um, sure. It's the only way it works. Some of us own houses and are men married and have, you know, other really intense full-time jobs and stuff you'd scoff at when you're like 22. But, you know, 10 years later, you're just like, Oh
0: yeah, uh, this is,
1: this is the only way to go.
0: Right. Yeah. It's like this. Oh, this, this is practical. Like we were talking about. Um, I think something that, that there's two last things I want to hit on were clearly restorations and like the, for for lack of a better term, if I'm using, uh, you know, business-like terms where it's like your guys' target demographic, when you started to create the music was obviously not being like, all right, man, we are going to capture the 14 to 18 year old market. Like no problem. (laughs) Like it was clearly uh, just from listening to it, you know, uh, all your stuff. It's like, it was never, it was never meant to capture that market. And you obviously played to, for lack of a better term, like an older fan base. And I presume that was just a function of what you guys were writing rather than like, Oh, well like, let's, uh, let's, let's see if we can play to that crowd, so to speak.
1: Yeah, completely. I mean, we, at the time it was like, you know, we just sort of write what we want and see what happens. And, um, it, it was kind of funny you know a lot of our friends at the time especially were like late 20s teachers and uh graphic designers and stuff like that you know like the typical like the NPR crowd for context's sake you start to realize that like when you this is a big thing with the fest shows like you leave town and you find people that like are coming to your shows that are like the people that come to your show in other cities right <laughs> and then you're like oh this is a thing this isn't just like my nerdy friends it's like this is happening to people all over the all over the country and uh, right. I feel like we had, like accidentally tapped into something with this band And it's just it's crazy. It's really funny to like go to different places and you meet like the same kinds of people over and over and over again, the same story, same spot in life. Like that's, that's been really crazy. That's been a really interesting thing. I'm really glad we didn't shoot for like the 14 year old pop punk, you know? Yeah,
0: (laughs) no, for sure. I mean, it's definitely a very, uh, that audience is very movable and you could be uh you could have a rapid ascent followed by a very dramatic crash
1: sure i mean if we still could now you know, it's, no it's true it's, it's true it's hard to get people to cut it's hard to get people with kids to come out and see a show on a tuesday night you know it's a, there's a, all, all these other problems that start coming up when you know this is what these are the people that come to see you you know
0: yeah of course well that that's because you guys obviously need to offer uh you know child services and nurseries at your shows
1: we've talked about it <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're like, all right, what can we do to make this, uh, you know, a little bit easier? Like, do we get, do we bring like six cribs? Like, how do we do this?
1: I actually think that dog, dog sitting would probably be our most lucrative uh, sideshow.
0: Yeah. It's like, oh, I can't, uh, like the dog's going to scratch the door. You're just like, dude, yeah. well, c- come on down. We've yeah. We've got a dog walker that's ready to <laughs> hang out. <laughs> i love that and so the last thing i want to hit on was like obviously because you've you've led such a you know for lack of a better term like transient lifestyle has it been has it been difficult to kind of you know feel i mean like obviously cultivate relationships and um feel like you have some semblance of of a a home life because obviously you've been you know absent by choice um but you know how has that kind of uh, transpired i mean like, are, are you in a current relationship now
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually, just just got engaged this year. (laughs) I'm really really going for it this year. Yeah, you are. Congratulations. Uh, How how long have you guys been together? Uh, almost seven years. Actually, we met at a painted black show. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, perfect! Perfect. Yeah, right. Dan, you know, Dan, Dan Yemen brings people together.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> so, so since she's been in your life for a while, um, obviously, I, I'm sure there was, were growing pains in regards to that, and her being obviously understanding because obviously she's still with you. But you know, the I'm sure there's a lot of uh, sort of I wouldn't even say negotiations, but just kind of like find it. You know, the water finds its own level, sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. It, it's. Uh... And so it's kind of cool. Like we we really met like uh, at the very very end of JB. Um, so like she's been with me through this whole thing with the new band and uh, yeah it's it's been really cool to like it's like I said it's like with everything else it's just like really cool watching everything sort of grow together and like become this big like collective. You know it's a, I really felt like for the long long story short with all that is like I'm really enjoying the consistency. It's like a novelty for me at this point where like you know everything has been relatively the same for me and I've been able to like work on everything. You know whether it's my like, you know personal relationships or work or the band or whatever it's like everything has been one continual thought everything works together it's like i'm surrounded by all these really great positive interesting people mm-hmm. um and like that's really new to me relatively in the you know the whole of my life at this point where like everything is just kind of in one spot for the first time ever yeah, um, yeah so like it's just fascinating to do i love it like i really like i've lived in the same house now for four years that's totally new to me i was moving around every six months you know before that right um I don't, I don't know what happens next but i'm in a good spot now
0: yeah yeah and you and you obviously don't feel that um that sense of uh i guess restlessness that obviously uh can sometimes you know kind of creep into your head as a trans as a person who's used to a transient lifestyle um there's none of that like oh man like i i feel i feel like not even so much like the pull of the road but just like that sort of you know day-to-day adventure sort of stuff
1: yeah but in a way i'm well, I'm glad I did everything. Like i I have no regrets at this point. Cause I feel like I've seen the other side of so much of this that like where I'm at now is fucking awesome.
0: Sure. Sure. <laughs> That's a very good point. It's like, yeah, if you've been, uh, you know, uh, well, for lack of a better term, fortunate enough to, you know, play in front of 20 people in Montreal, there's definitely, yeah. there, there's definitely that, that, uh, humbling experience that you go through where you can kind of come the, the finer things in life can taste a little bit better because you're just like, Oh man, I'm not there anymore. I'm not, I'm not crying in a bathroom. <laughs> because
1: yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> in the snow in Detroit. And yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Everyone has one of those moments where I, oh, totally. where it's like, I, I, I use Montreal because that was my moment of just like crying in a bathroom being like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Like, yeah. where, where am I? Where, where was your, where was your moment? Where was your moment of like, just, just, you, you had to get away. You had to cry. You had to call your mom. You had to do that. Where, where was one of your moments?
1: Uh, I got fired in a rainstorm in Chicago playing to 15 people at a bar that was giving every band member uh, free uh, Long Island iced teas. Okay. That was like the deal.
0: <laughs>
1: so, and uh, our tire burst in the rain. We couldn't figure out how to like fix it or like tire iron wasn't working. I guess it was like rusted okay, or something to the wheels. So like we're like in rain at like three in the morning, like obliterated, no job, show sucked like it was awful like yeah. rock bottom like that was that was it some some part of chicago i have not been back to since
0: especially because obviously since you weren't sober but you still had that level of clarity being like what am i doing with my
1: life yeah it's like here we are and everybody's like we're going to go to the dance club and i was like i'm going to sit in the van and just kill myself <laughs> like we're just <laughs> like
0: yeah I, I am going to be the most somber person for the next few hours so please leave yeah. me alone <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was awful.
0: <laughs> well, so thank you,
1: Chicago. the The lowest point of my life and the highest point of my life. <laughs> that's
0: that's I, I'm very I'm very glad that they that you have polarizing experiences in the same city. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> well, I really really appreciate hanging out on the phone with you. This is uh this has been fun for me and obviously like been in the same rooms and have probably like brushed shoulders, but just have oh never, totally. I've never met.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, thanks so much. This is really cool.
0: I always take a really huge breath before doing this outro. I realize that I just go. Like, I'm, I'm getting ready to yell. Speaking of yelling, I am on stage soon. Like, very soon. Like, on January 19th, which is uh, Martin Luther King Day. Monday, January 19th. I feel like an announcer for Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. So, anyways, if you're in the Southern California area and would like to see my old band Taken play some melodic, hardcore songs for you. I would love to meet you. I would love for you to join the party. We are playing you know, with a little band called Sayosin, you know, with their original vocalist, Anthony Green. No big deal. Anthony's going to be on the show soon. It, it'll be a while. I want to get him in the right headspace. I think uh, over the phone slash Skype interview may be, may be rough because, you know, he's got kids and there's a bunch of people pulling at him in from so many different directions. Anyways, I digress. Thank you. Wasn't John great? Such a down-to-earth dude. I love people that are so comfortable in the role that their band plays in independent music. They're just like, yeah, we'll, we'll tour when, when it makes sense and uh, we'll put out music and uh, we'll, we'll just be doing our own thing over here. I love that. And it's exactly what Restorations is. So Tom Richfield, producer, got to give that credit note. Tom, I love you. Just putting it in there. Oh, yes. Hopefully by next show, I will be alleviated of this, this horrible plumbing slash leak issue. And I'll be in better spirits, send some positive vibes my direction. And until next week, please be safe, everybody.